Welcome back to Crab Chat, the unofficial fantasy review that you never wanted nor asked for. Let's get it on. That's it, all you crabby listeners out there. It is time once again to sit back and talk crab. Uh, This is going to be a big one because we've got two rounds to catch up on. No potty coming in after round eight. I won't go through the results, but there is a couple of things that I think is worth highlighting. Um, And round nine, what a belter as well. Only one headline coming out of these two rounds, and that is a tale of two tail enders. We've got Morgan welcoming himself to the league with the biggest score, 10.51 last round. And then following up uh, this week, we have surging up the rankings, finally notching their first win uh, to the applause of the entire crab crab pot. So two huge wins for two teams that have been hard on their luck this season and that I think is what we all want to see um, when it comes to the closing end of the season and we, as we get closer and closer to seeing who has the punishment, it's really good to see those bottom end teams putting a bit of competition back into it. Let's look at the ladder before we go through the results. We've got crustaceans on top. Um, moving up uh, and taking top spot off the Chooks that suffered a loss. Chooks are now at second, um, just in front of Los Bolas aficionados, swapping spots with Hueys. So those top four are all, I've got either, Crustacean's got two games in hand and Chooks, Bolas and Hueys one game in hand. Then on top of Mandalorians and Jumbo. And that is the top six. So Mandos and Jumbo have both jumped up into finals contention with um, the top six teams obviously going to finals. And then we have Janitors, Krebs, Pubiclass and Bowdens all on, I think it's four wins. They all have the same amount of points and it's just percentage. And they are all, I think, two games ahead of Claw and then one game ahead of Rankines down the bottom. So any of those bottom six could easily be sitting in last spot, I think, down towards the end of the season. The top six teams is definitely possible, but a little bit a little bit harder as there's only five games left in the season. If um, Josh and Morgan are going to make a move, they're going to need to kick now because the finish line is um, just up ahead. Couple of pigs from this round, round nine. I won't go into the round eight ones, but yeah, we had Jed Anderson and Luke McDonald go 123, 118 apiece. Um, the Kangas just across the board, all kangaroo players had an absolute field day, um, round nine. And uh, Jed Anderson and Luke McDonald are both, at the time, uh, both unowned players, both in the pool. So that is a lot of points going ungrabbed. Um, and then we have third highest score, Aaron Hall with 112 and he was actually also a kangaroo player but he was actually snapped up by dinger um so that's huge dinger immediately capitalizing on his new recruit with um a sizable ton um fortunately it wasn't enough to beat the janitors but um, it was still good coaching nonetheless uh, we also had 117 from neil captained um by timmy 115 by mccray captained by simo and then um, Whitfield, 119, captained by Sammy. Oh, and also Mitch Duncan leading the rankings to their first win with 107 captained. Tons also from Hopper, Kelly, Taranto, Dusty, Rockcliffe, Titch, 
side bottom and Luke Ryan actually a rare ton from him but he did notch it up um, to lead Simo home so plenty of points being scored in round nine um, and uh, yeah in particular um, Aaron Hall wasn't the only huge score to come from a new recruit we actually had a couple of coaching bangers um, and I just thought I'd highlight those before we get to the clangers um, Dinger huge pickup Aaron Hall goes 112. And then we also had Joshy picking up Zach Bailey um, getting 82 in his first game for the Rankings. And then Seedsman getting 89 in his first game for the Rankings. So those are two pretty good scores from um, players you've just picked up from the pool. Really good coaching there. And um, it was needed because the Rankings only beat their opposition by 11 points in the end. But whatever gets you home, they've got the four points. And... Um, uh, we actually have got an interview lined up with the head coach of the Rankines. But uh, first, let's get uh, uh, into the results. Let's deep dive, um, and we'll finish up with that interview. So we've got the Janitors uh, getting 956 points, beating Dinger uh, on 108, uh, an 871. Um, both captains just went dutsu in this game, Neil and Sean, respectively, but Chumbi's midfield ran away with it, and Dinger, it was just another case of you scoring in the top five teams for the round, but just taking the L like a champ. <laughs> if Dinger was playing almost anyone else, 8-7-1 would have got him home, but I think Timmy's second highest scored for the round um, with um, Josh Kelly also turning up and a whole bunch of high scores all around the, all around the board. So, yeah, kudos to the uh, flog, Mishnah. And he gets the win and he moves up into... Um, uh, I think he was on intense position, so he's got a little bit more breathing room now, which is, which I'm sure he's happy about. We then got the Chooks going down to Losh Bolash, uh, by about 90 points there. This is, yeah, in the, in the great words of Justin Timberlake, what goes around comes around. This was a 10-man team going down to an 11-man team that was on fire. Last week, I got the silver spoon. I got given a 10-man team as my opposition in the form of janitors after a late Pendlebury pull out and the janitor's bench just being full with DNPs that uh, Tim was either hoping to come good or loop, wanting to loophole. And then uh, the exact same thing has happened with me. James H pulled out with a concussion a couple of minutes, oh, I think the day before the game and all of my players on the bench had already played. So I was helpless to sub him out and I just had to face the, the fondlers with um, one man less and it almost was going to be a close game but um, Luke Ryan getting a ton in the last game of the round just ran away with it there. Um, huge scores still on both side, all sides of the ground. I think each of us had three players hit the ton but um, yeah, Los Bolas is just huge at the moment. 962 is a huge team and they are now Five wins on the trot, um, posting just huge scores week in, week out. So, yeah, as we get close to the finals, the Fondlers are definitely one to watch. Giuseppe is surely a, a happy chappy. Um, next game, we had the Crustaceans going oh, going up against the Bowdens by about 60 points. Um, this was actually, coming on down to the Sunday, it was actually a battle of the captains. I think both teams had one player and their captains to play. And the captains actually came from the same team. So it was Grundy for the Crustaceans going up against Trelaw captaining the Bowdens. And yeah, Grundy's beaten Trelaw there by about uh, 30 points. And um, 
what Nathan needed was that to be the reverse for Trelaw to go bang and uh, Taylor Adams to also go bang. But they both got their average. Um, Crustaceans played debutante um, Blakely and he managed to go pretty good with a 75 and then Grundy just went to town. So Crustaceans come home victorious and and they're actually also ones to watch because they have also won five games in a row on the trot now. They're now a game um, at the a uh, game ahead at the very top of the ladder. So they're probably looking at that double chance in the first or second spot. Really hot form. Um, and the Bowdens actually suffering their second loss in a row. That has meant they've slipped down to 10th. So really not looking good for the Bowdens in terms of are they going to make finals or not. They've got a good team, but they're just not delivering what it's needed. And Crustaceans are racking up and more wins as they go along. All right, the fourth win of the round went to the Mandaclorians. This one was tight, and it was also a battle of the captains. Uh, Mando's going 8-3-5, beating Huey's Blue Waffles 822. And, yeah, um, the captains this time were Canelio for Huey's and versing Whitfield for the Mandaclorians. Again, playing on the Sunday, and Mandaclorians looked like they were going to go down. Um, I think they were behind. I remember looking at the scores on Saturday night, predicting a Huey's win, but Whitfield has just gone dutza. 119 doubled. Uh, I think it's a bit like a 60-point margin. He's beaten his um, opponent, Captain Bai. Um, so, yeah, Maynard and Chera went into the last game, and Maynard had a lot of work to do, and he almost got double Chera's score, but it just wasn't enough, and Sammy went, went home by about 13 points. So um, I think Mandos would be very happy to get the win there. You look at his bench and he's got nothing left. He's got Robinson and Hibbard posting 50s and then an injured Selwood and an injured Crouch. And then you look on the Huey side and it is just clangor after clangor. He's got Tim Kelly posting a 78, which is much higher than Sam Walsh's 42. So that's comfortably the win there. Um, and then you've also got um, Dan Butler posting a 79 and uh he was his emergency forward and Dan Butler played on like the Wednesday last week so he easily could have loopholed him in for Libertore um and that also would have got him the win because Libertore only got a 58 but no Huey's stuck with his on-field team and those selections have cost him um also ruck issues continuing for Huey's Blueies with New recruit Ladhams only going 34. That's just really sunk him. Um, I think Ladhams gave away like five free kicks that game to Max Gorn, the fellow, his opponent, Ruckman. So, yeah, nothing's gone right for Hueys. Mandos have given it their all and they've got the win. Um, next up, we have the Claw um, going down to Jumbo by about 131 points. Morgan is just doing his absolute best impression of the skill tester from Toy Story here because rounds one to seven, he hasn't posted above 850. Consistently in the high 700s, low 800s. And then last week, it was a completely different team. Everyone fired um, and you could really see the team that he was trying to create. They go 10-51, like not even anywhere near the next previous top score. Um, and then this week, they're back down to a 700 flat, his lowest score of all time. So just like a skill tester where you're getting those dumb, squeaky aliens over and over and over again, and then finally the claw lifts up, Buzz Lightyear connected to Woody the Cowboy. Um, 
before going back to just more aliens. Um, yeah, Morgan is just embodying his brand image uh, fantastically, but probably to the detriment of his season. Um, Johnny, I think, pretty happy to go home with an easy win there. Um, 8-3-1, nothing really, um, nothing really special going on. Lots of 50s, 60s, 70s around the ground, but that's all he needed. Uh, and lastly, the round, the, the match of the round, surging up the rankings, finally getting the win um, by about 11 points over Hermes Krebs. Um, this was just, I think, hilarious. Um, rankings going on an absolute roller coaster, as per usual, but rather than ending with his hopes destroyed, it actually ended up with a surprise win. So he's going into the Sunday pretty confident. Plenty of players to play, but the players that have played have done all right. The only um, oversight was Bont only getting a 55. You'd really expect more from his vice-captain there. And Kyle's players playing well um, and posting a pretty good score. But, yeah, he's got Toby Green, Rankine in form, Taranto, Haynes, um, Mitch Duncan, Guthrie, all of these players playing on the Sunday. Plenty to look at. And um, first game, Toby Green, hamstring, gone. Um, so his hopes are just dashed once again, and there's no way that he's going to be able to make up a 100-point difference in the last game. Enter Mitch Duncan versus Andrew Gaff. Oh, my word. Um, Mitch Duncan goes 100 and, what's that, 107 and gets that doubled, and Andrew Gaff just absolute absolute clangor, and uh, Kyle has suffered a 100-point uh, loss to Gaff's average there. Gets like 51 or something, and Duncan just manages to do what was needed, um, along with, you know, um, Guthrie and Haynes also posting pretty good scores, and a handy ton from Toronto. So Rankeeds have literally just clutched it out of nowhere um, when Andrew Gaff single-handedly chat the bed for Kyle. I mean, Kyle's team across the board is just super consistent. A couple of players getting 50, but in the 50s, but three players going in the 90s. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the rest of the team, except for the captain. Surely you'd expect Gaff to be able to take it home to like a, a 900 and a 950, and instead he's just absolutely um, fucked it. <laughs> so the rankings, congrats on the first win. And uh, we actually called him up earlier today to get a bit of a comment. So here is that one. Joshy, do we have you, mate? Benny, I'm here, mate. Still celebrating. I've just pulled in after the big night out. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. What did you and the boys get up to over at the Rankines to celebrate the first win of the season? Oh, look, we're down south, so we just uh, went and checked out Beer Farm. Had a few there, then pulled back into Bussy, out of the pub. Met a few of the locals, telling them about my uh, trials and tribulations from 2020, and and here we are, just walking in the door. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic, and uh, mate, it ended up being quite a close uh, result. Toby Green going down on the Sunday with a hamstring, just yet another injury woe for the Rankines. What what is going through your head right now? It's just injury after injury. Well, look, I was uh, sitting pretty comfortable on Saturday night and um, I thought to myself, I haven't had an injury yet, so I know someone's going to go down. <laughs> it's been a, uh, a weekly story. I think I'm averaging one and a half injuries per week, so I was just uh, waiting to see who it was. 
and Toby Green off to a good start, missed the goal. It gets the behind. I'm thinking, oh, well, we're still on here. And then uh, next thing I know, someone's messaging through on the chat that he's got injured. And, uh, you know, just when we thought we uh, were snatching another another defeat from the jaws of victory, <laughs> Jack, Jack Crisps decided to go a little bit quiet in the last quarter. And um, I'll tell you, to, to say I wasn't sweating, I'd be lying. Yeah, yeah. But the Rankines have done it. And uh, I think you, the, you and the club do deserve to celebrate. So well done. And look, uh, notching a win at this point, right before all of fantasy goes into a bit of a tumultuous couple of rounds with buys and um, footy pretty much every night. So coaches really needing to be switched on to make good transactions and to choose the right players and avoid DMPs and injuries. Do you have high hopes for where the Rankings might be able to finish come end of the season? It's given me and the boys a big big shot in the arm. We're really fired up. We know there's there's room to move now. I know the, uh, the opposition's scared. It's been a long time coming, this win, but I really feel like we're on the march now. The tyres are in motion. We've got captain choices galore. Taranto found a bit of form. Duncan's hot. Guthrie's just going from strength to strength. The boys are really, uh, really primed. I know the namesake, Rankin, didn't have his best game, but he's assured me over the phone last night it was a one-off, and he's... Uh, He's provided a boost to the boys with, that he the, has. with the current name change. So it's uh, full steam ahead here at Meraki HQ. We're ready to go. And I tell you what, Morgs, we are absolutely coming for the claw. <laughs> oh, you versing the claw. It's a 12th versus 11th showdown this week. I think both of you are actually on one win Better. and nine losses. Yeah, so no, a message to Morgs. Two wins. He's chalked up two. I've done my research. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Well, then this would bring you level. So still just as much on the line in terms of end of season punishment. Oh, dear. And last question from uh, Channel Crab News. Do you have a preference of uh, punishment? Because it's still undecided. We've got five rounds of fantasy footy left and we still don't know what 12th place is going to be doing as their punishment. So what's your vote? Well, to be honest, I was trying to get this uh, figured out about four for about a month ago so I could uh, prep myself because I was pretty concerned but uh, look I was keen to do the window I was keen to do the window washing I thought that was something I could get away with pretty uh, pretty easily I'm not 100% keen on the uh, change my mind table in the city I think that could be a controversial with a few of the locals but uh, <laughs> well, I'm open I, I am open and I'm I'm backing myself to get out of the to get out of the hot seat. So yeah, good, good. Keep your mind off punishments. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So to be honest, I'm trying not to think about it. I would rather uh, I, I'm for the window washing, but I understand there's a few that can't do it, like Simo, the, the lawyer himself, can't be put in that situation. But yeah. I think if you dressed up with a with a message to say that you've lost your uh, fantasy footy league, I don't think too many uh, police or, or the alikes are going to take too unkindly to you. Yeah, agreed. I think it has less to do with his uh, um, status at the bar and more to do with his cowardice. But anyway, that's just this crab's opinion. <laughs> um, Joshy, thanks for the call and all the best for uh, the first game of round 10 kicking off tonight.
you versus the claw. Chicken casserole. It's always a pleasure, mate. You seem to be cooking along nicely, so keep it going. Alrighty. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thank you. We were also able to get a couple of um, quick little sound bites from some of the other coaches uh, to get their thoughts on the round that was. Here is uh, James Aish, defender for the casseroles that single-handedly um, uh, meant that the casseroles were going up against the Fondas and Man Down. Here's what he had to say about his performance on the weekend. No way. I love myself. Even though I look like a burnt chicken nugget, I still love myself. Alright, that's James Aish commenting on is it on the round that was um, and his concussion. We also have uh, Brian Taylor uh, commenting on uh, the rankings first win. And last little soundbite we're able to get out on the field, we have um, a quick little comment from Nathan on, um, yeah, just how he thinks um, he's going just generally in life. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. Thanks for that one, Nath. Um, now that we've heard around the grounds, we've gone through the results, I'd now like to introduce you guys to what I've been cooking up here in the oven. I call this segment floaters and sinkers. Very often we jump in the pool and some of us have been tossing things in there. Uh, some of them have sunk to the bottom, as they probably should, but some of them actually have been floating on top because there's a bit of um, unseen value uh, from some of the clubs. So I think the inspiration for this segment came from uh, Matt Crouch. I think everyone knows what <laughs> my thoughts are on Jared, or uh, the head coach of the Crustaceans, the Crab Man, his dropping of Matt Crouch after three uh, poor games, um, just before round four of this season, despite him being a top 25 uh, fantasy football player for the last three years running and an average draft pick of 25 in the the whole um, AFL fantasy world. But, um, yeah, I thought I'd lay off Matty Crouch uh, a bit because, to Jared's credit, he's currently sitting on top of the ladder by about a game, and that's because since he dropped Matt Crouch, he's won five of his six games. So the argument is that he, whilst it is fucking dumb, <laughs> um, he doesn't actually need Matt Crouch because he's got such a strong midfield in the form of Viney and Barry and Lyons and obviously um, Grundy doing the captaincy each week. So yeah, I thought I would, uh, whilst that is definitely peak fucking dumbass uh, coaching, um, I think everyone's been a victim of this sort of thinking of sending someone to the pool that probably actually deserved a second chance on the team sheet, a chance to prove himself. And yeah, I've gone through the transaction history right back through the to the very start for every single club. And I've noted down how many times they have gone to the pool. So essentially how much they love a, love a swim, how many trades they've done this season, uh, but also who their Matt Crouch equivalent is. And I've ranked them from best to worst. Uh, so we'll go in reverse order. The first five or six aren't that uh, consequential, didn't really cause any wins or losses, but still interesting to note who, um, for all of the clubs, who their one is that got away. Um, so with the janitors, somehow this, there must be something wrong with the system here. Timmy has actually got no one. Every single person that he has dropped to the pool is a spud and should definitely have been dropped. And whilst that is good coaching in the sense that he's the only coach that 
hasn't um, underestimated the player's value and dropped him prematurely, we still know that Timmy is just a flog um, and loves a Timmy Ting. So I think something could be uh, up there. I think that'll definitely need some further investigation or maybe this is a, a season-long Timmy Ting that's just cooking up uh, behind closed doors waiting to be revealed. But yeah, as it stands, Janitors doesn't have a Matt Crouch equivalent. Um, Timmy has dipped into the pool 21 times, which is probably just a bit above average. Um, we then have the Bowdens. Bowdens have dipped into the pool 18 trades this season. Um, and their regret is Liam Duggan. Dropped Liam Duggan about five rounds ago, and since then, uh, Duggan's been playing much better. His last five average is 73, which is bloody high. Would be pushing for game time in Nathan's uh, defensive line as it currently stands. And um, yeah, to put it this way, Duggan is currently sitting on the bench for the the best team in the league at the moment, the Los Bolos aficionados. So yeah, that's a bit of a oversight by Bowdens, but not nothing too big. We also have Jumbo. Jumbo actually has not been trading at all. Jumbo has only traded 12 times this season, the league lowest. And this is probably because his girlfriend is in town. We've seen the effects last year of when... Uh, fantasy got put on hold as he went to Sweden um, to visit the Misso, and now the Misso is visiting him this time around. I think we're seeing the same effect. Dream Team being pushed to a second tier of priorities in his life. We just really hate to see it, and I think um, yeah, Jumbo's lucky to be sitting sixth at the ladder because his percentage tells a different story. But anyway, his regret is Sam Walsh. He dropped Sam Walsh a couple of rounds ago. And uh, picked up Harms, and Harms has actually scored lower than Walsh every round since then. Sure, Harms has got the dual position, he can play in the defensive line, but Jumbo has actually usually been playing him in the midfield or not playing him at all on the bench. So, really, the question uh, it begs the question why did he drop the superior Sam Walsh for him in the first place? Uh, not a big one, but definitely a regret there. Um, the claw is the other end of the spectrum. The claw fucking loves a swim. He's dipped into the pool 34 trades this season. And um, uh, biggest regret was probably Jack Gunston. Uh, he's dropped Gunston, and since then, Gunston's average has gone up by six points. Think about how well a player has to play for their average to go up from it, you know, still ha having those shit um, scores in there. Is um, Yeah, Gunston's been on fire lately, and I think is currently owned by... Another club um, played um, that played him on the weekend, actually, and he got a decent 78. So huge Matt Crouch there. Um, and we've got two more before we get to the really juicy ones. Los Botolos Aficionados and Carl's Hermit Crabs are both traded 17 times this season, which is probably just under average, probably on the lower side of trades. And their regrets are Brandon Parfit and Jacob Hopper, respectively. Simo dropped Parfit after round one, and Parfit has then gone dutz up 94 and 88, the two rounds after he gets dropped, and is then picked up by Nathan, has had an average of 72 ever since. And this one isn't super inconsequential uh, con because of Simo's magnum dong forward line, doesn't really need Parfit, but still, it's a player he could have kept on in the bench for sure. Um, and then Kyle dropping Hopper, another oversight that was actually pounced on by himself, um, Hopper has averaged, or his average has increased by five points since Kyle dropped him, and he actually played for the Chooks on the weekend and notched up a ton. So that one um, 
Also not hugely uh, influential in Kyle's season, but still definitely a, a Matt Crouch moment. We've now got the top five. Now, of course, Matt Crouch is the worst, and so Jared sits on the top of this list, but here are the five that come pretty close, and these ones, they're actually um, season deciders to an extent. In fifth place, we have, the, or sorry, sixth place, we've got the Mandalorians. They've traded 24 times season they like a swim um and they dropped liam shields just after they dropped liam shields his average has gone up by 10 points in the games after and he's now currently a starting midfielder for the janitors we've got myself the chooks we traded 17 times this season that's kind of the lower end and uh we dropped ed kerno in a maddie crouch moment uh this happened about six rounds ago and ever since ed kerno has had an average in you know close to the 80s, which is pretty good for a midfielder. He's increased by about 10 points since I dropped him, and he's currently starting mid for the Krebs. So huge regrets there. And now in fourth place, we have Huey. Huey's done it again. He's traded 19 times this season, so pro- probably bang on average there, I think, um, or maybe just under the average. And his Matty Crouch is twofold. He dropped Jed Anderson just before the weekend, and Jed Anderson scored 123. Of course, I'm just reminding you that that would have been a win against the Mandalorians, so a bit of an oversight uh, there. But then he's also dropped, at the very start of the season, Joel Selwood. He had him for one game. Selwood's score wasn't good enough, so he dropped him before the COVID break. We went on the break, and then we came back in June. Selwood's gone 97 for unowned, and then he's been picked up by the Mandalorians, averaged high 70s ever since as a starting midfielder, um, injury notwithstanding. So two huge regrets there for Hueys, but lo and behold, that's not even uh, in our top three. Third place for Matty Crouch moment of the season, we have Dinger, pubic lice. He's traded 30 times, the second highest out of anyone. So he loves uh, a swim. And he's also got two Matt Crouch moments. The first, Tom Libertore drafted him in the in, in the like draft night, the shoe, very start of the season, and held on to him despite Liber getting lots of forward time and not many touches of the ball. And Dingers then decided to drop Liber two rounds before dual position players are changed and announced. And lo and behold, Libertori gets the forward label and is picked up by Hueys, in fact. And since then, not only is he able to be played in a forward line, his average has also increased by five points. So Dinger has lost the all of the potential that Liber had there. But even worse than that one, I think, is Oscar Allen. So I think two rounds after, um, or two rounds before, Digger drops Oscar Allen. He picks him up from the pool and he's really happy with himself, messaging me about how promising this young, tall forward is going to be for him, his forward line. And then he's dropped him, uh, this is last week, so he's dropped Oscar the, the day before his round eight game. Allen goes 89 and has cost Dinger a win against the Crustaceans. If he had kept Oscar and played him, he would have won against the Crustaceans, but he dropped him, and now I think Oscar's um, part of the Mandalorian squad. Don't don't quote me on that, but he's definitely been picked up by another player, another team since. In second place, though, the only person that could maybe hold a torch 
to the Matt Crouch idiocy front shown by Matty Crabman earlier in the season. We have Josh surging up the rankings. Who else could it be? He has just made two absolute clangers here, and they've seriously contributed to the losing streak that he's been on up until this uh, this weekend where he's finally busted it. Josh has jumped into the pool 26 times for trades um, or traded with players. And he's also got two huge Matty Crouch moments. And would you believe it? The chicken casserole has benefited from both. Firstly, we have Josh dropping Took Miller after round one. He has Took from the draft, I think. Or maybe he got him before round one. Round one, Miller gets a 70. Josh goes, no, nah, not good enough. And he drops him. Miller then comes back after the COVID break, goes hundo, and then gets picked up by the chicken casseroles, has maintained an average above 80 ever since. This um, combined with David Swallow, who got dropped two rounds before his DPP announcement and could have been played in Josh's forward line and with a pretty, um, pretty high scores coming in after Josh dropped him as well. If Josh had kept Took Miller and David Swallow, he would be on three wins right now. And again, to put that in perspective, he would not be in line for the punishment. He would be one game uh, away from the Peloton, Kyle, Naif, Tim, and Dinger. And he would be one game ahead of Morgan, who's currently sitting on two wins. So huge clangor by Ryan Keynes, just throwing two floaters back into the pool to be happily snapped up by the chook and put in their casserole. Took Miller and David Swallow currently starting players for me. That's the floaters and the sinkers. Uh, of course, Matt Crouch is still the worst one of the season, I think, by far, but pretty inconsequential, so uh, I'll let you have your opinion on that one. And now I think there's only time left in the potty for the moment we've all been waiting for, a favourite moment of every podcast, the Dickens. Who got dicked and how did they get dicked? Well, I think round eight, although I'm not um, probably allowed to give out the Dickens, I think I should put one on the table, and I'm more than happy for the chat to disagree. But round eight, we did have a podcast. I do think a team should still get a Dickens nomination, and that team is the Joel Bowdens. Bowdens were going up against Morgs, and up until then, the Claw had not posted a score above 850. Basically a buy round. But lo and behold, the Bowdens rock up, and Morgan is on fire. He scores 1050. The Bowdens were caught with their pounce down, and I think it's the highest margin we've had all season by about 300 points they've lost. This has decimated the Bowdens, uh, the Bowdens percentage and has ruined their finals position. Two rounds ago, before the Bowdens played Morgs, they were in fourth with a positive percentage, so I think 103%. And since then, they've now lost to Morgs Percentage decimated, and they've lost again just on the weekend to Jared. So they're now sitting in 10th. From finals footy to battling it out for the punishment with a negative percentage, the Bowdens got dicked hard by the claw. And this chicken couldn't be happier. So I nominate uh, Bowdens for the Dickens in round eight. I'm not allowed to give it out, though, because that's not my, the um, this isn't the podcast for that round. So I'll let the chat decide if we agree or disagree. Nominations for this round, though, round nine. Lots of contenders. Um, I nominated myself for the James H fiasco. I mean, him dicking me the day before with a training concussion um, and me uh, trying to loophole too many players to 
um, not have a bench position available to sub HN. Massive dicking potentially, but I didn't end up giving it to myself because Simo beat me by 90 points and Aish dicking me probably was not going to matter in the end. Also nominated Dinger for getting the fifth highest score of the round, but once again, Covenant uh, a loss. I guess this happens every week to Dinger, so again, I've not gone with him, even though it's a fair nomination. For the Archie Dickens, round nine, I'm giving it to none other than Huey's Blueys. That's it. He has now uh, posted his third loss in a row. What was previously an, a six-win undefeated streak, he's now looking at a huge slide out of finals contention, potentially. Uh, he's lost to me and copped an awful, pretty dicey uh, side bet punishment. He's then rocked up in round eight and gone 970 and lost to Simo. And then on the weekend... He's versus the Mandaclorians. Mandaclorians have only posted 8.30, a score that Hueys is definitely capable of getting higher than, but clanger after clanger, and he's been dicked by Lockie Whitfield and his team of Star Wars crabs. We had Tim Kelly on the bench rather than Sam Walsh, Dan Butler on 79 that could have been looped, and his ruck issues continue. I've said it once, I've said it again, Lysette is a flog, and he's tried to replace him with Ladhams. Lathams posts a 34, gives away like five free kicks to Max Gorn in that game. Five free kicks is 15, negative 15 points, and that's literally the margin between Hewers and Mandos. Just wash down the toilet, rolling the dice on Lathams. So congratulations, Huey. You are, you've earned your first Archie Dickens nomination for the season. Round nine goes to you. And... Uh, I really do hope that you drop Ladhams to the pool because he could not have turned out worse for you as a Huey's Bluey. He's playing tonight. Uh, I think the trade table has just opened up because I'm recording this at midday on the Monday. Yep, so trades have just opened up uh, and I do hope that you get rid of him before tonight's game because I'm sure Ladhams is not going to go big. Um, yeah, he's a flog. You've heard it here first on Crab Chat. And that's it. I still don't know how to wrap up these podcasts, so I'll just quickly um, uh, give you a bit of my gratitudes for the week. Grateful for the Festival of Footy. Having Dream Team every day is going to be fucking lit. I'm also grateful that we've managed to get footy back. When going through the transaction history, I was reminded that we didn't have anything in April and May, and I just reminded myself of how just depressing those months were. So I'm actually really glad that we're managing to get some footy in around covid and then lastly, I'm just grateful for Joshy, not only hanging in there with the, the high spirits and hopes and finally notching a win so that the punishment isn't all but guaranteed to go to him, but also just giving me great Suns players. I mean, mate, if he drops Rankine at any point, I am using every RFA I've got to pick up that bloke because he's definitely going to come good by the time he comes to the casserole. So grateful for Joshy, grateful for COVID and grateful for footy. Cheers, boys. Catch you in the next one.